It's awful long pause. Did you guys get that going? I know you guys haven't. They're upstairs. They're right on top of it. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, well, now we can have to talk. Eddie, what's happening, man? Hello, everybody. Welcome to a highly tuned technical vineyard community church where everything just runs smoothly all the time and uh, it's all good. We're, uh, we're going to continue on in our series um, that we're calling One More. And uh, this is our fourth week in this series. We're using as our foundation 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can, while I sort of preamble the, uh, the message and we talk about it a little bit. One more is what we decided we would condense our mission statement to. We came up with a mission statement back in the early 90s, which has served us well, and it's, it continues to be the focus, advancing the kingdom of God, one person at a time. And yet when I would ask people what was our mission, what were we all about, what was the church up to, it was hard for people to get back to that statement. So uh, in prayer we thought we would change it, uh, modify it, um, while keeping the same intent. And, and so our new mission statement is one more. So when I ask you, or when anyone asks you, hey, what is the vineyard on Big Pine all about? You can now say it's about one more. One more what? One more lost child back to dad. One more to Jesus. One more in the kingdom. It's all about one more. And we gave you a hand sign so you could remember it. One more. And uh, that tied into the eight months previous where we talked about the ministry of encouragement, um, which we, we boiled down to trying to get you to do two things every day, which is to be thankful for five things and encourage two people. And we're still, that's our hope. We think that's the simple uh, dynamic offered in faith to God that will... Uh, bring miraculous results uh, here in this area and beyond here into the world around us. And so we, we're encouraging you all the time to be thankful for five things and encourage two people. We have a website, encourage2.com, that we ask you to go to. We have these wristbands in the back that you can grab, and the wristbands say, thankful five, encourage two. The idea behind it is you start with this on this wrist in the morning, and when you've managed to be thankful for five things and encourage two people, you move it over. And uh, please take as many of those as you need. They wear out over time, which is a good thing. Get another one. Put it back on. Keep, keep going. I just got 2,000 more in. So we don't plan on letting that go away. Um, take them. Wear them. Just to get you ready to do five and two. And that we're, we're tying that into a lot of things. But what we ended up with is that if you're thankful for five things every day, and we are going to encourage two people so we can get one more Back to dad. And this idea of 5-2-1 is what drives this mission statement and, and uh, ties it to 2 Corinthians 5-21. So that you can remember it. And uh, we're actually going to get to that one. It's called, and 5-21 talks about uh, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become his righteousness. And we're talking about how that impacts the world around us. And so far uh, in this series we've been... We've been talking about uh, the fact that, that uh, our, our motivation for these things is love, loving God and loving others. We've talked about being a force 
which we'll expand on uh, and continue to talk about. And we said that uh, that makes us a frontline operation, reconciling, caring, and encouraging. And we introduced the ideas of a radical message, radical hospitality, and radical generosity. Our radical message is the good news, and by radical I mean not what people expect. And the good news has, has stayed the same since the time of Christ, and that the, the heart of the good news is, you know, the, the gospel message is that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised again on the third day, and there were a lot of witnesses to that fact. That's the heart of the message. And we're going to continue to talk about these concepts as we, as we move forward today, looking at, in particular, verses 18 through 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to pull into that a little bit, break that apart, and, and talk about three or four things today uh, that's, that's tied into those scriptures as it relates to our mission of one, one more. And the first point there in your notes, if you grab one of the bulletins on the way in, is this. It's the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation. Let me read verses 18 and 19 again. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This, this message of recon, reconciliation, again, it's the good news. It's the gospel. It's the truth. And um, the idea is that, that all of us have sinned, and, and yet God has made a way for us in Christ to be reconciled to him. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised on the third day, witnessed, as I said, by hundreds of people. His perfect, sinless life was given in exchange for ours. He paid for our sin so that we can now be reconciled to God, restored in relationship to God in Christ. See, that's the, the, the powerful, radical message that we have for the world and that the world needs to hear. Um, having accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, um, the radical message of hope that we have has been committed to us, the Scripture says. And, and we're to tell others that they can be reconciled to God as well. We're to tell them. Which brings up the second point, which is, therefore, we are his ambassadors. We're his Ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God is, is using us to implore others to become reconciled to God. It's an outward focus. It's what we've been talking about throughout this message. We, we're to love people the way that God does so that they might come to know him 
and be reconciled to him. For God so loved the world. You know this one. That, that, uh, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. John three sixteen and 17. See, the, the thing is, and this is what we've talked about. People desperately need to hear this radical message of hope. Because the world is a pretty messed up place. As you know, we talked for months about how discouraged the world is, how fearful the world is. We're evidence of this fear all the time. Things that happen in the Middle East just, just cause people to be fearful. And they react funny. And, and, and the, the, there's this tremendous concern and, and people get all caught up and they, in their, in a response to their fear, people tend to get very inward focused and they, they start to get caught in this, uh, uh, this desire to hang on to everything so tightly. Uh, and, and it's, it drives this, this whole sort of life that, and world around us now that's all based on what you've got. And, and, and people are just, Consuming and consuming and consuming. I heard somewhere the other day, this was fascinating. In 1960, in this country, there wasn't a single storage unit. And now there's over 2 billion square feet of them, 50 years later. What's happened? Well, this, we've become, I'm not picking, I'm just saying, th- this is a huge change that's taken place. And, and so people have gotten consumed by, by having, and you know what they've lost, is they've lost being. Because you, they get, they get it all twisted up. And they need to know that life is found in being, not in having. And that it's found in, in being in Him. That's where we really find life. And so this is the, the radical message that we're, we're called to tell the world about. <clears throat> Yet the world, um, you know, they, they want to just dismiss us. They want to not listen. They want to, uh, we've got this thing now where everything is okay. And we're very narrow-minded and, we don't care. And, and yet, I've said where we've messed up, the church, is that we haven't loved people well. And in not loving people well, we've lost our voice. And, and God is calling us again to love people well. And that means we have to love them where they're at. We have, to, we have to accept them where we're at. Our acceptance of them doesn't mean that we're saying sin isn't an issue. It's not. And in fact, our message is, is wrapped up in the fact that it's a huge issue. It's such a big issue that... Jesus went to the cross in order to take care of it. But, but God can work through that, and you can be reconciled to him in Christ. See, that's, that's the message. People aren't too far gone, and, and nobody's too far gone, and, and they need to be loved into the realization that there's hope for them. And, and I think that's our big calling as ambassadors, um, that, that we're to love people well in what that looks like. How do we do it? As I've, I've already mentioned in, in previous messages that if we're ever going to be able to share our radical message with people, we're going to have to love them first. You just can't jump out there with stuff nobody listens. You can't point at people and, and judge them because then they really don't listen. You have to love them first. And then they listen over time. But first you've got to love them. And, and, and that's got to be the point. That's, that's what we do. And so <clears throat> the way that we do that, we just talked about that. The third point is this idea of five, two, and one again, right? You know, we're going to be thankful for five things. That's how we love God. We're going to encourage at least two people every day. That's how we love others so that we can see one more 
come back to dad. One more lost child back to dad. And this concept, I believe, this 521, ties into verse 2 Corinthians 521, where we're becoming his righteousness. We're becoming his righteousness in the world. And yet, when I say that, I want to make sure you know how I think that works in the world. Let me read the verse to you first. It says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that word righteousness is a very interesting word. And I think a lot of times people think, well, that means uh, if you're righteous, then you can't have anything to do with the world. And that, that's not the, the biblical model we have. That's not how Jesus interacted with the world. And we have to get away from this tendency of the church circling the wagons and thinking that the best thing we can do is just get all huddled up in here and who cares what happens out there. We're, we were called to hang out with the culture. Not, not, to, not to just go and do everything they do, but to love them in order that they can hear this radical message of hope, this radical message of reconciliation that we offer to them. And it's how Jesus did it. He went and loved them first. He accepted them. And then when they said, yeah, what do we need to do? And he'd say, oh, go and sin no more. And I'll help you. I'll help you do it. And he helps us all. He empowers us by his spirit. So this idea of righteousness in the world, I think, the church looks like is, is this. And I, I did leave room for you on your notes, I hope. I can't read my own bulletin. But uh, I did. Righteousness means this. Being right with God and doing the right thing. Being right with God. And doing the right thing. Now, you've probably heard the second part of that if you've come here before. I've told you over and over and over again that the way we're supposed to do this thing is by trying to do the next right thing. That's our calling. And so how this all ties together is the way that we get an opportunity to share our radical message is that we have to live this life in front of people. We have to live it out. We have to live it before Him. We, we have to get right with God in Christ. That's where it starts. And by getting right, I mean as right as we can get, which is we come and accept Him as Lord and Savior. And then in Christ, we, you know, God sees us and in Christ, we're right with God. But as I, I told you last week, we're working stuff out still. All of us got stuff that's not where it should be yet. We're in process. And, and that every day we have these opportunities to make choices. And we're to do the next right thing. That's how we do it. Well, what's the next right thing? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the next right thing. And then we mess up. All of us do. We don't do the next right thing. And, and hopefully we're getting quick about catching ourselves. We realize, well, that wasn't the right thing to do at all. That was a wrong thing. That was a very selfish thing, a very sarcastic thing, a completely off the map bad thing to do. And that we immediately stop and turn back to God and go running back to Him and this is why I talk all the time about your picture of God. It has to be one of a God who forgives mercy and grace and love. You run back to Him and He grabs you in His arm and He loves on you. And you say, Daddy, I'm sorry. And He goes, I know. And you say, will you forgive me? And He says, I forgive you. And then He hugs you some more. And he puts you down. He says, now go. And do the next right thing. And I'll be there to help you. My Spirit will help you. And we start doing the next right thing. The next right thing. This, is, this is how... We have to live this thing out in the world, not as judgmental, uh, critical people pointing out the flaws in everybody else, or, but, but just walking this thing out, understanding that all of us desperately need God, and that, that maybe if we've come to Christ, the only difference between us and people that haven't is we're a little further along in the process. That's it. But we're, other than that, God loves them and wants them in relationship with Him.
just like he has with you. That's what he wants. That's why he calls us to be ambassadors. To live this thing out in such a way that we have an opportunity to share this radical message which has the power to change lives. Now, this type of life, this righteousness I think Paul um, talks about very well in 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 7. And it says this, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Now, I want to unpack that last verse, verse 7, very quickly. It says, In truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. And, and I want to talk about that as we talk about becoming his righteousness. And there's three things there that we've been talking about in our whole series. In truthful speech and the power of God, that's our radical message. We've already talked about tonight. In truthful speech and the power of God. That's our radical message. This message of who Jesus is and what he's done in order that people might be reconciled to God. That there's a way for them to be reconciled in relationship with God. Our weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. That's radical hospitality and radical generosity. I love the way Paul talks about this. Because I want you to see these things that we've been talking about as the weapons of righteousness. Radical hospitality in one hand and radical generosity in the other. What are those things? And, and this is what we've talked about. We reach out into the world and that's radical generosity. You do it every time you encourage two people every day. That's radical generosity because it's not what people expect, expect and it's going beyond the norm and your putting your own stuff aside to go after and to help other people just by encouraging them in however you can. We demonstrate radical generosity every time we get out there and do an outreach. And, and you know, the outreaches that we're, we do, and we, have, we try and do them pretty regular. They're, they're weekly, monthly, whatever. But the, the free lunches and the, the $1 car washes, um, when we give someone a free lunch with no strings attached, and we don't, we just give them a lunch. We're not at that moment trying to give them our radical message. We're just trying to get them to stop and think a little bit. When we wash somebody's car and then hand them a dollar when we're done, it's just to get them to stop and think a little bit. When we go out there and hand out free sodas, which we do, it's just to get them to stop and think a little bit. That's what those things are all about. It's a radical generosity that makes people hopefully say why and what. And, and our hope is that they'll respond in some way over time. A lot of, they won't always, but, you know, we have websites set up for all those things that people can go to that will ultimately get them to the radical message if they dig three pages in. We invite them to come here for, uh, we invite them for meals, actually. <laughs> the invites that we give them are for dinner or for breakfast. <laughs> so so uh, we, we try and get them to come over to the vineyard, and we don't really dig that much deeper. But But... That's that part of it. Now, radical hospitality, see, see, that's the weapon we have when, when God blesses us and brings people here in response to your 
encouragement, in response to your invitation, in response to one of the outreaches, or they just find us or walk through the door, whatever, um, God has given us this, this wonderful opportunity to minister to people, many of whom um, aren't very churched. They, they haven't been for a long time, or they've never been, or they have been wounded by the church or something, and getting them back in is a pretty big deal. And, and what we need to do is to make them comfortable. And that's why we have meals, and that's why we're casual, and that's why we, uh, you know, try and make it fun. It's, it should, I, I, I have this discussion all the time. I don't like to hear people say, I have to go to church, like it's a bad thing. But it's Sunday, so I have to go to church. I, I like it when people tell me, we have a Sunday. I'm so glad it was Sunday. We got to come to church today. And because and we are the church, we got to come here and be together, however that works. But see, the radical hospitality makes a huge difference. And these ideas explain a lot of what we do and why we do it and what it's all about and how it works. But, but I want you to see them as weapons of righteousness that we have. Radical hospitality, radical generosity. We need to get people to stop and, and, and think a little so that we're, we're getting them ready to hear the radical message. And we need them comfortable enough that we can break down some religious barriers and stuff and get people in a spot where they can hear in order to receive. See, they've got to be loved where they're at. That those two things together uh, work in unison in, so that people can hear the radical message, which is ultimately how we get one more. See, that's, that's how it all works together. It's, it all comes together. And we get one more. And then, with God's grace, we get one more. But it's always about one more. You know, I hope we get millions, but one more. (laughs) Just one more. Just one more. That's what it's all about. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about something. And and, uh, I always find these um, conversations... Interesting. If you're a newcomer here or something, just kind of go for a couple of minutes. Because you don't need to hear it. And some of you others, if when you begin to hear it, you might want to, and I don't care. This is it. I have been praying for months about this. And um, I, I, I feel like we are supposed to, over these next few weeks, um, get together and resource in a pretty dramatic way radical hospitality and radical generosity. And um, and you can write in that next blank, what we're going to call it is the one more offering. The one more offering. And, and this is something I want you to pray about over the next couple of weeks. And I, I'll tell you what I feel like we're supposed to do. And I'm going to leave it all on you guys. And I, as I say this, if you feel that I'm trying to guilt anyone, then that I missed it. Or if you feel manipulated at all, I completely missed it. This is a, this is something I absolutely want to leave on the Lord and feel like He told me to do it. And I could be wrong. Whatever. But we're going to take up this offering over the next few weekends. Not this weekend, the next few in March. And in, in what I feel like we're supposed to do, is that we're supposed to put as much into hospitality as we are into radical generosity. And that there's some things that we need to do here and in the facility that need to happen. They're not problems. They just need to be better. Um, things like the flooring. It's 20 years old now. Um, it's not 
terrible because there's lots of chairs on it and the lights are on, but it's a mess. <laughs> it's 20 years old. Flooring like this, this lasted 20 years, but it was very expensive. That's why it lasted 20 years. Um, we need to update some things. We need to, to fix other things, and there, there needs to be resource to do that so that when people come in, it's up and over the top. We, we need to resource the stuff that we do when we go out. Those, those outreaches are fun and they're a blast, but all of them are costly. When we give away 200 free lunches, it costs somebody something, and that was us. <laughs> when, when we're blessed to feed folks in here, it's a, it's a big deal. And, and I just really see and, and feel it that we're supposed to present this to all of you to pray about as an opportunity to resource this in a, in a pretty significant way. And, and to make some, some hospitality improvements and to, to really resource the generosity side of things. To, to some equipment that we need to go out and do some stuff. We, we need to do some advertising and things out there to reach out to some of these folks that don't hear us. One of the things that still makes me crazy, we've been in this facility since 1987. I still, I run into people in this small town, uh, a, a big pine of four or five thousand and people that have lived here for years and have no idea that we exist. And I just want to run into that wall with my head. I'm like, how can you not hear about us? You know, we're, and they just don't. So we, we, there's, there's people that we can reach. Anyway, let me cut to the chase. Here's, here's what I think this, this looks like, this offering. So this is where you might want to go. I, I really feel like we're, we're, we're supposed to shoot for $100,000. $50,000 for hospitality and $50,000 for generosity. Now, there's about 700 people coming here, and so you could go, well, it's not, if you really, if you kind of divided it out among 700 people, it's not a big deal. But that's not how you give in the kingdom. So it's not about equal giving. It's about, it's about uh, equal sacrifice. See, because if you, if you chunk it up and say, well, if everybody tossed in 100 bucks, we'd be set. But 100 bucks to some people is huge, and to others, it's not even a, it's not, it's not, it's, it's just nothing. And so you can't do it that way. What we can do, though, is this. This is what I would ask you to do. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Next, next two bulletins, there'll be a flyer in there. I won't bring it up big time anymore. Um, pray. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm asking you to pray about the one more offering and then do whatever God tells you to do. God might just tell you, hey, just pray for him. That's all you need to do. You don't need to, you don't need to do anything else. God might say, well, this is what I want you to do. God might surprise you with what he wants you to do. To, I really feel that, that that was given to me by, by him, and some people are going to have to really listen hard <laughs> to make it happen. But it's all on him. And, and so, I, you know, I don't want you to feel stressed or, or, or anything. If it doesn't apply to you, you go pray about it, you let it go. All right? It, it will not be... An issue. We'll, we'll talk about it briefly over the next couple of Sundays. But if you feel like God wants you to contribute to the one more offering starting next weekend, write an extra check for that or if you want to do it, write one more in the memo line, stick in the bucket. I'm not going to stop and take up a special offering for it. It can just go in with the other offerings. And you do what you feel like God wants you to do. And that's that. And thank you for being so patient. I don't like talking about money. It's not one of my favorite choices, topic. And yet it's such a big disciple thing. It's such a it's, it's part of a disciple's life is this that from time to time he calls us to give pretty significantly sacrificially to get stretched a little but you guys pray and wherever you're at and I don't know where you're at some of you are like this is a can't you couldn't ask it a worse time I get it but that's when I felt like we were supposed to ask so you guys pray about that and remember it's all about one more and we're going to keep doing this stuff 
And we're going to keep pushing on. But I want you to pray about this opportunity, I think, to really invest in resourcing these great things that God has given us to reach out so that we can get one more. And that's why we're calling it the One More Offering. And you guys just pray about that, okay? And whatever he leads you to do is good with me. All right? Everybody okay? Nobody's going really bad. (laughs) And I'm sorry if you're here for the first time. We really don't do that very often. So if you don't believe me, ask somebody that's been here for a while. You'll find out. It's not the hot topic. Okay? So having said that, let's... uh, Let's call it a night. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. If you need anything, you can call us or write us, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. But let's go ahead and pray tonight as a group. Father, we are so thankful for who you are in our lives, for your amazing.